Man, excited to see you. Excited to see, I'll be honest, I'm excited to see so many of you on Thanksgiving weekend on a rainy Sunday morning, first service. Give yourselves a round of applause. Come on. I'm proud of y'all. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, so, uh, yeah, Thanksgiving, let's just get that out of the way. I wish I said this last week because it might have blessed somebody, and I didn't, so just tuck it away for next year. I've, I've adopted this a couple years ago. I got me some nice kind of casual but dressy, like they look good, but they're so casual, khakis with elastic waistbands. I ain't wearing these jeans on Thanksgiving. You better believe that, right? And so it made all the difference, man. I stuffed myself till I couldn't anymore, and I slept well, and I hope you all did too, okay? Um, I do want to take a moment and just give you a, br- a quick update in case you weren't here last week or, or um, maybe you just haven't heard, a couple weeks ago, our, our, our lead pastor, Pastor David Jones, actually had, he did have a stroke. He had emergency surgery to remove a blood clot in his brain. Uh, thanks to God, uh, he has been recovering miraculously. They got it in time. They got everything. And um, y'all can go ahead and clap for that because he's, he's got full, full uh, motion and, and, and all that stuff. And so he is on the road to recovery, but he is still healing up. And so uh, keep him and his family in in your prayers. He's hoping to get back here sooner rather than later, but we have a plan and we're going to try and do it in a way that uh, that brings him back when he's healthy and ready, but but also, um, you know, he's chomping at the bit, so we got we to we, we gotta balance those things. But just uh, just know he's in good hands and, and, and he appreciates your prayers. Um, today, we are going to be picking back up with our, our series on work called 90,000. If you, if you uh, missed a week or two, or maybe you're just joining us, I'm going to give you a brief recap. 90,000, that number is the uh, average based on studies. People much smarter than me uh, came up with a, a, a research study that, that said the average person spends 90,000 hours of their life at work, okay? And so that's, that's where that title comes from. And what we've been talking about basically in this series is, is how does my faith impact my work? How does my faith as a believer, a follower in Jesus Christ impact my work? Uh, the the kind of um, key verse for us, this whole series, this comes from Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. And whatever you do, whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It says, whatever you do, anything you do, that's your, your work, do it in the name of Jesus. Why? Because, because of the gospel. Because Christ's love compels us to carry, him with, to carry him with us wherever we go and whatever we do. So, so Jesus wants to go to work with you, right? I went, I went through a season in my life as an early believer where, where I had Jesus all the way up. I was listening to worship. I was praying on my way to work. I had a long commute. And then we kind of got to work and I parked my car and I was like, I'll see you later, Jesus. And I went to work, right? And I'm, I say that like, have, it's not a, like that's how I was living. I went to church on Sunday and Jesus was with me right up until the moment where I went to go live the rest of my life. And I, and I said, I'll see you later, right? That's not what we're talking about. Jesus wants to be with you wherever you go, whatever you do. He wants to go to work with you. We talked about the fact that work is good. Work is good. God created. God, we were created. Genesis chapter one, God is at work. When we first see God in the narrative of scripture, he is working. He's creating. Then he creates man and he, he puts Adam in the garden. He says, I want you to work it. And then God says, work is good, right? So, so work in and of itself is, is good. We were created by a God who works to do good works. Okay. We talked about this idea that as, as followers of Jesus, we are to bring, you're to bring your vocation, uh, excuse me, bring your identity into your vocation. Right? Not, you don't get your, vo- your identity from your vocation. Whatever you do for work, right? that doesn't define you. God defines you. And as a son, as a daughter, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you bring that identity with you into your workspace, wherever that may be. We talked about rest, the importance, the importance of, of biblical rest, okay? uh, which, which allows you to embrace your own limitations. 
okay, to, to live optimally and ultimately uh, to grow and develop a deeper trust in God. That's why we rest. That's why God rested and modeled it for us, okay, with the Sabbath. And then, uh, you know, in his last message in the series, Pastor David kind of left us with a, with a question that, that's been gnawing at me, that that's been, I've been coming back to and really trying to let it affect me. Um, are we living in a way that allows us to see and hear from God? Are we living, because we are like, right, everyone's so busy, right? And, 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 and we know that the busier you are, the harder it is to hear from God. So are we living in a way? Are we being intentional about it? Are we creating spaces and places in our, in, our, in our life and in our daily routine and in our hearts to, to see and hear from God? It's going to make all the difference. So that's kind of where we've been. For today, uh, I, I, as we continue this series, I, just, I thought I'm going to keep it super practical. All right, super practical. Um, I just want to give you some, some, some basic tools to take with you when you go to work, um, wherever that may be again. And, and so the title of my message today is How to Be a Christian at Work. How to be a Christian at work. Now, when I say Christian, I don't just mean someone who says they believe in Jesus. I'm talking about someone who has put their trust in Jesus, right? Believe means to trust. Someone, someone who's uh, following Jesus, made the decision, right, to give it all up to him and trust him with everything, okay? So how to be a Christian at work. Here's the bottom line, all right? Here's what, here's what I think we need to do. Be nicer. <laughs> be, be nicer. I know that's deep. I know that's kind of, uh, that's the kind of life-changing theological insight you were hoping for on a Sunday after Thanksgiving. Be nicer, but, but go with me, okay? Go with me, because I really do think we need to be nicer. As I was uh, preparing for, for the message this week, uh, this Monday morning, I went, to, uh, I went to Panera in Fuquay. I like to like bounce around from different coffee shops and get different, like just, you know, I, I like to mix it up, keep it interesting, get a different vibe. So I kind of work in all different places. Um, and so I chose Panera on Monday, and, uh, and I don't, go to Panera often. Nothing against Panera. I love Panera. The reason I don't go very often is because I'm usually still hungry when I leave. And it's like, I just spent like 20 bucks and I'm still hungry. What is happening? So, uh, but no shade because this particular Monday I went and worked at Panera. I, the reason I like going there is because some places you go and they're like, like, I'm going to work. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to post up all day. I got my laptop. Like, you know, Panera doesn't mind at all. They're like, yeah, refill your coffee, get you a little muffin, whatever. Like, we're going to leave you alone. Some places are like, I need that table. You done? Like, I'm like, come on, man. I thought I spent a little bit of money. I'm trying to work. I don't have an office, okay? <laughs> but anyway, that's why I like Panera. Um, anyway, this, this, this given Monday, I'm there. I'm working. And, and just from the beginning, and I walked in, there's a, probably like everywhere else in the food industry right now, or everywhere, they're understaffed. They, they could use some help, right? And so there's one girl who, who's, God bless her, she's doing everything. She's working in the back. She's, as I walk in, she's, she's filling uh, pastry boxes, and she's taking inventory, inventory. She's going from here, but she's also like mindful and keeping an eye on the front. And so as I come in, she comes up, takes my order. She could not be nicer, could not be friendlier, just super, just impressive young woman, right? And she's working her butt off. And so I'm like, oh man, that's cool. And so I get my order. I sit down, I'm doing my coffee and I see her, she's running around wiping down tables. And then, uh, you know, uh, I work a couple hours. I, I, I get lunch. I sit down, I'm eating my lunch and a guy comes by and he's, you know, I can tell he doesn't know if he should take my plate or not. Is he done or isn't he? So he just asked me, we end up striking up this great conversation and, and, uh, and just super nice guy. And he goes on, he's doing his thing. And just, I'm just, doing my work, when I'm watching these people, just they're, they're, something about the way that they were conducting themselves, something about the way that they were working, super hard, doing their jobs, being efficient, okay? Again, understaffed, but always with a smile on their face, and they could not have been friendlier, okay? Um, and, 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 and just something about it stood out to me, 
right? To the point that when I was leaving, I had to let them know. I was like walking out. I was actually like at the door and the spirit was like, no, go say something. Like you've been thinking about it, go say something. So I went back and I was like, excuse me. And they said, oh, can I get you something else? I'm like, I just want to let you know you're doing a great job. Like I, that may sound weird. I don't like, I've been watching you. You're working super hard. You're doing an amazing job. And, and, and it matters. It made my day better. And so thank you. I also, this is a whole different message, but just so I know how to, how to be a Christian when you go out to eat, tip well, okay? I also gave her a nice tip. I didn't just give her some empty words, but I wanted to encourage her and let her know, hey, you're doing, you're doing a great job. You're doing a great job. And, and look, I have no idea whether these employees I encountered at Panera are Christians or not, okay? But I do know that they had a positive effect on my day. My encounter with them, the way they treated me, the feeling I got as I observed them taking pride in their work and doing it with a genuine smile on their face, it impacted me. It made my day a little bit better. And I couldn't help but think, man, what if we in the church, right? What if an entire group of people, community of people, the the body of Christ went to work each day with that kind of mindset? What if we were a little bit more intentional, about being, being nice, just being a little bit nicer. What kind of impact would that make? Because let's be honest, that's not, what most, that's not what most people think about Christians, right? That's not really what we're known for. I mean, if you were to poll, this is informal, it's not scientific like the 90,000, this is my own informal, but I just think if we were to, to, to informally poll the audience, if we were to ask people who maybe don't believe in Jesus, uh, what do you think about Christians? I don't think nicer would be in the top five, right? That they're, 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 or maybe they need to be nicer, right? But not, not, not nice. And so I'm just wondering, man, what, 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 what would happen? What if we were? What if that was what we were known for? Now, while I do believe many of us could stand to be a little bit nicer, and I think that would make an impact. I know it would, okay? I also believe that God is calling us to something more than that. I believe he's, he's calling us to something even greater, okay? And so as a tribute to our leader and my brother and mentor, Pastor David, um, I want to teach you all the word nicer as an acronym today, okay? If you didn't know, Pastor David loves him an acronym. He loves him a good acronym. So this is kind of my tribute to him, okay? We're going to go nicer, N-I-C-E-R, and we're going to break each of those letters down, okay? All kidding aside, though, as much as I think, again, that we could stand to be a little bit nicer as ambassadors of Christ, as representatives of Jesus here in this world, on this earth, who he's entrusted with bringing a little bit of heaven down to earth, uh, we're called to be like Jesus, not just at church on Sundays when we're surrounded by other Jesus followers, okay? But also, or even especially at work, when you may be the only Christian there, when you're the only one on staff or in your group or on your team or, or, or in your class. So let's dig into some scripture today, this morning. We're going to see what it might look like to, for us to be nicer. All right, Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. This is the Apostle Paul. He says, for I am not ashamed... I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power, the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So the N in nicer stands for not ashamed, not ashamed. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. 
I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And, 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 and this, this reveals Paul's heart, okay? Uh, just to give you a little bit of context, he's writing this letter to, to the church in Rome, okay? The Roman Empire is the biggest, most powerful empire. You know, they, they, they control everyone. The, 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 the Jews are, are subjugated to Romans here. And, and so some people in this context, some were, okay, embarrassed by a gospel centered on a crucified Jewish, Jewish savior, okay? That was embraced by pretty much only the lowest class of people. When, when, put yourself there, when Jesus died on the cross, okay, not even the disciples were expecting him to be resurrected, okay? And, 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 and although uh, when, he, when he was, and, and, and uh, Peter preaches that first uh, gospel message at the Pentecost, and 3,000 people get saved, that's a big number, that's amazing, that's a miracle of God, but in the context of the larger population and what's going on in the Roman Empire, that's, that's nothing. That's a handful of people, okay? And again, most of them are the people who are down and out, who, who, who have no money, who have no power, who who, who had no standing in society. And so it was kind of looked down upon. It was looked down. People of the way, people who believed in Jesus, who followed him at this point, were, were seen as like this little kind of annoying cult, okay? But here's Paul writing as a representative of Jesus, and he says, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Paul says, because it is the power. Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who trust first to the Jew, then to the, to the Gentile, okay? We are a multi-ethnic, uh, gospel-centered, forever-focused, multi-ethnic movement of God. Paul was the disciple the, who, who, who was sent, the apostle who was sent to bring the gospel to the Gentiles, okay? So when he says, it is the power, man, that, that, that you know, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile, I just need to pause there for a second and say that Paul's alluding to God's plan, which was always to break down the barriers that divide and say, this thing is for everyone, right? And the power in it is that all of these tribes and, and tongues and nations and people and cultures and ethnicities who once hated each other will now be one, okay, in Jesus Christ. He says, I'm talking about that kind of power. That's the power. That's the power I have. That's why I'm not ashamed. Paul's not ashamed on the, of the gospel centered on a crucified Savior because he knows that the gospel, the incredible news of our rescue and adoption by God through Jesus has inherent power, okay? Notice Paul doesn't even say, it, say that it has power. He says it is the power. It is the power, right? The gospel is, in fact, good news, but it's not just information. It's not just news that, that, that we listen to and digest. It's not advice to help people help themselves, right? It's more than that, okay? It's power. It's power. It is the power of God that lifts people up. Again, in Paul's day, the, he's writing to the church in Rome, okay? All Rome understood was power, all they dealt in was power. All they, all they respected was power. They were the most powerful people there were, the most powerful empire there was. And so Paul, it's not an accident that he's writing to the church in Rome and he's talking about power. And he says, I'm not ashamed because y'all think you have power, but I know real power, the only power that can save. The only power that can save, that can bring people from, from death to life. That's true power. Power that can unite People who've never been united for generations, that's real power. You think you have power, you know nothing about power. Let me tell you about Jesus. That's where the power is. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed, he says. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. Simply put, God, uh, the gospel reveals the righteousness of God. And it's important we understand what that means. Okay, Paul's not talking about a holy righteousness, uh, the holy righteousness of God that, that condemns a guilty sinner. But instead, he's talking about the, the, the righteousness of, of God um, that, that, that saves. He's talking about 
excuse me, I got lost in my notes here for a second. Um, the, the godly kind of righteousness that is freely given to a sinner who puts their, their, their trust in Jesus for the first time, okay? He's, he's talking about grace versus condemnation. Uh, maybe maybe you, you've heard this verse before, John 3, 16. It's a, it's a beautiful gospel verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Um, Joy mentioned when she was up here talking a little bit earlier that, that we, are, we are a church for the untold and unconvinced. We are a church of believers who, who put our trust in Jesus, but we also know and we're hoping and believing that on any given Sunday, there's going to be someone here who maybe doesn't believe in Jesus, who's still exploring, who, who's not quite sure, who has, who has questions, okay? And so if that's you, first of all, welcome, and we're glad you're here, okay? And I want you to know... Um, I was, I, that was me. I was in that place, okay? And even, even as I started to, to investigate Jesus, as I started to feel like maybe this is real, maybe there's something to this, and uh, I, I would come across John 3.16, again, for God so loved the world, and I'd think, yeah, I, I buy that. I buy that he loves the world, but it was hard to internalize that for me. It was kind of like, yeah, that's true for some other people, but, but I, I've already been disqualified. <laughs> I'm on the outside looking in. So that may be great, but I, I, I'm, I'm, my, my fate's already sealed. Right? And, and it took a while for me to understand, to continue on to verse 17, where, where he says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. It's such important perspective, okay? Because again, if not, you can think the gospel's for other people, but not for you. But Jesus came so that we would be saved. His intention is that every single one of us would be saved, that there would be no one left out in the cold. And it's a choice we got to make, a decision we choose to trust in him. But he did not come to condemn. He came to save. The motivation is what matters, right? It changes everything. And so when I was able to adopt that and receive that and believe that and put my faith in it for the first time, and it, it changed everything. This is what it means to be justified by God. It's not that if I've been made right by God, right? Like, like if we were in a courtroom and God was my, my amazing attorney, and even though I did all this bad stuff, he got me off because he's such a good lawyer. No, that, that's not it. He didn't, he didn't justify me in that way, okay? It's not even that he changed me from being bad to good, but that in Jesus Christ, God treats me as if I had never been a sinner at all, as if I'd never done any of those things that I've done. As if when he looks at me, he sees his perfect son, Jesus Christ. That's the righteousness of God that we receive when we place our faith in, in Jesus Christ. And now Paul's saying that it's this faith, this trust in Jesus, okay, that becomes the basis of life for those who have been justified by him, for those who have been saved by him. That's what he means when he says the righteous shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith, okay? In other words, we're not only saved by faith. It's not a one-time deal, okay? But, 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 it, that faith also empowers us to live for Jesus every day, okay? To live full of confidence, unafraid, unashamed, empowered by the gospel of Jesus. I, I remember being a new Christian, you know, uh, kind of on fire for my faith, just falling in love with Jesus, learning the Bible. I, I, I just started serving in a local church. I was leading a small group of uh, middle school boys, and, uh, and it was around that time, uh, one of my, I went to visit one of my good friends. He was in my wedding. He was one of my college roommates. I was in his wedding. Um, uh, he just got a job and moved to Washington, D.C., and I went to visit him and his wife, 
and, and they invited me over to their house for dinner. They had just had their first kid, and so hadn't seen them in a couple years. Like, I was really excited to go visit them, but, uh, but I also knew, like, everyone knew that I just found Jesus, and, like, I know they were, like, all my college friends, everyone, like, who don't know Jesus were, like, kind of talking about, like, oh, what's Raph? He's a little bit different now. I don't know. Like, he, is he the same? Is he different? Like, it was just this awkward, unsaid thing, you know? And I showed up, and I could just feel the awkwardness, and we tried to plow through it, and we just talked about old times and, ha- you know, just hung out and this and that, and then we sat down at dinner, and there was, there was this moment, almost like this opportunity, and I just, I just let it go by. I look back on it now, and I'm like, man. So we're sitting at dinner, and, and uh, again, it was, just, it was just awkward, and my buddy goes to like take his first bite, and his wife's like, hey, should, John, I think we should pray. Should we pray? Raph might want to pray, like super, like, and I'm like, what, like, what do I mean? I'm like, dude, and he's like, dude, like literally about to take a bite. It's like, do you want to pray? And I'm like, no, it's cool, man. Don't worry about it. Like, and I was just like, oh, like just I think about now and I cringe. And I'm just like, it was this moment. And God ain't mad at me. And I know we forget it's not, it's not the biggest deal in the world. But when I read Paul, man, I am not ashamed, right? And I look at my actions. I'm like, man, you can't pray for dinner. Paul's talking about we got power, man. I'm not ashamed. And shortly after that, man, I studied Romans and I came across that verse. And I'm like, never again. I'm not ashamed. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God to save. It's the only real power that the world has ever known. And he, and, and he gives us access to that power. Man, what if we started to embrace that power? What if you started to embrace that in your life, at your job, on your team, in your class, and in your work? What would it look like truly for you to be not ashamed? Not ashamed. And I, integrity. Integrity. Okay, when I think about integrity, when it comes to scripture, my mind goes to uh, a guy by the name of Daniel. Okay, Daniel in the Old Testament, maybe you heard of Daniel in the lion's den. Um, Daniel was a talented, one of the talented young men who was taken into exile in Babylon. After the fall of Jerusalem, okay, they were enslaved by the Babylonians, taken into exile. The Babylonians put Daniel and some of his friends into this training program to indoctrinate them so that they might help rule the Jewish people whom they were holding in captivity, okay? So think of it as like forced management training, okay? And Daniel was uh, very, very smart, very talented. He was a, he was a fast riser, okay? Um, when he first gets there, uh, there's a, a brief, when you start, it's Daniel chapter one. Um, basically, um, one of the king's people is training these guys up and he says, hey, you guys can eat off the king's table. You, you can eat all the choice food, the wine, everything that the king eats, that's what we're feeding y'all. And Daniel's like, nah, man, if, if it's cool with you, I'm good. I just want some, some vegetables and some water. And he's like, no. The guy's like, no way, we ain't doing that because if you start looking all scrawny and weak, the king's gonna be mad at me. I need you to eat what's on the table. And Daniel's like, all right, let me, just put me to the test. Give me, uh, I forget if it's 14, 21 days, whatever it was, give me X amount of time and I, me and my guys, we're going to eat nothing but vegetables and water, okay, according to, to our beliefs and our faith. And if we're not stronger and healthier than, than the rest of those guys, then we'll do whatever you want. The guy's like, okay, cool, let's do it. And of course they were. They were. And from that moment on, um, they, this guy kind of took a shine to Daniel. And again, Daniel, um, he, was, he was a fast riser. So fast forward to, to Daniel chapter 6, and, um, and, and Daniel is now in charge of, of like government officials, okay, all over Babylonia. And, and there are people who, who are upset, who are jealous because this foreign guy, this, this Jewish guy is, is rising up the ranks so quickly. And so we find in Daniel chapter 6, verse 4, they're actually trying to take him down. We need to find something, some skeletons in his closet, right? Some way or another, we got to bring him down. Verse 4, 
At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Over the years, Daniel's commitment to honor God at work had developed his character, okay? And as a result, he was, quite frankly, he was simply too good. He was too clean. He was too honest. He was too trustworthy. He was too upstanding for these guys to be able to take him down, even though they tried as hard as they could. In other words, Daniel was a man of integrity. He was a man of integrity. He had the kind of integrity that that we should all aspire to, okay? He simply did the right thing even when nobody was looking because he was working for an audience of one. He knew he was working for God and and nobody else. That's the kind of track record that we should strive for at work behavior that nobody can fault, not just because we want to get promoted or, or, or because uh, we want to lift ourselves up or so that we can be considered better than, than everyone else. No, so that it's, it's, it's so that we can live a life worthy. As Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, to live a life worthy of the calling that we have received. How do we do that? By honoring God with our integrity, okay? Everywhere we go, but especially at work. Integrity means living and working as if Jesus was right there with you every step of the way. And if we do that, I think just like Daniel, our life of integrity will one day lead us to exactly where God wants us to be at work and and for the good of his people and for his glory, the glory of his kingdom. Be not ashamed. Have integrity. Okay, see compassion. Compassion. There's no better example of compassion in scripture than how Jesus Christ operated in his earthly ministry, just on the day-to-day, okay? When you think about Jesus at work, just traveling from town to town, preaching the gospel, healing the sick, performing miracles, I mean, training leaders, okay? It was, it was nonstop work for Jesus. He had so much to do in such a short period of time, okay? So he has more than his hands full with his full-time ministry, to say the least, Okay, but I'm just going to show you an example. We catch up with him in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. And so here we find Jesus. He's in the midst of his travels, okay, traveling from town to town, preaching the good news, healing all the sick. He's on this massive three-year road trip to basically change the face of religion, right, to change the face of, of the world, really, to change how people see and relate, view their relationship to God, okay? It's a massive undertaking. The crowds are endless. There's so much to do and so little time. And check out Jesus in verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Again, Jesus was, was pressed for time. He was busy, right? We, 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 we talk about how busy we are. We're the busiest generation that, that's ever lived, right? But, but I, would, I think we'd be hard-pressed to put up our resume against Jesus's, right? Our job description against Jesus's and say, man, I had more to do than, than you do, right? Yet somehow he still made time to be compassionate, to show love, to show kindness, to show patience and generosity to every person he came into contact with, every chance that he got, whether it, whether it was to women, who, were, who were, had no power in that, in that time, in that culture, okay? Whether to, to, to say, hey, hey, I want you to sit at my feet, okay, Mary, so that, I can, so that I can teach you the gospel. That was unheard of. Women weren't allowed to do that, yet he does that, 
Okay, whether it was how we, tra- how we treated children in a time and a day when, when, when Jesus is preaching and, 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 and the kids are coming in, who knows exactly what the scene was. All we know is that, that the other adults in the room were like, hey, kids, get out of here. And Jesus was like, no, 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 let the kids come to me. Did he sit down? Did he play with them? Did he ask them their names? Did he ask them, you know, their favorite color? Who knows? But we know that Jesus valued them and took the time. He had compassion for them. Again, for, for kids who were like, man, they're, they're, they're a nuisance. They're this and that. He's like, no, no, no. They're the ones you should try to to be like them, and he lifts them up, right? Whether it was a woman who needed healing desperately for 12 years, right? He's on his way to go heal someone else, and she has the audacity to reach out and touch him, and he stops everything, and she's healed, right? Time after time, there's no shortage of stories of Jesus stopping what he's doing to show compassion, okay? I know, we, I know we're busy. I know we got a lot on our plates, okay? Lots of demands on our time but we are still called to be compassionate, to be compassionate, compassionate in relationships. Man, think about, think about your work. Think about, you, you know, your, your, your class, your job, wherever you spend the majority of your time. Are you so busy trying to get work done that you can't find time to even think about caring or showing compassion for someone else, for one of your fellow coworkers, for one of your colleagues, As followers of Jesus, we're called to be like Jesus. We're called to be like Jesus. And so even if you're busy, behind schedule, I want to encourage you, look for an opportunity to exercise some compassion like Jesus did. Paul Paul said it this way in Colossians 3 verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Uh, reminds you of a story. This isn't a work story, but, but it's a beautiful illustration of compassion. Um, from my, uh, my daughter, Gigi, back when she was in preschool, she's eight now, but when she was about four, and she went to preschool full-time, and she was in this class, and uh, you know, she has type 1 diabetes, and she had recently just been diagnosed with uh, celiac disease as well, so she has a gluten allergy. And, uh, and one of the moms uh, of the girls in the class sent in some treats, just, you know, I don't know if it was a special occasion or just for fun, whatever it was, the teacher's passing out the treats and realizes, oh no, like Gigi can't eat this, you know, but by this point she already gave them to kind of the rest of the class. And, and you know, we were still new to this thing, uh, so we didn't have like a substitute snack for her when things like this happen. Now we send stuff like that. But um, the, the teacher's like, oh, you know, she had like a moment and she said before she can even figure out what she was doing, all the girls, her little friends who sit in Gigi, there was like four of them who sit together in a group. They all took their candy, their, their little treat, and gave it back to the teacher and said, if Gigi can't have it, then we don't want it. I was like, man, the teacher's like calling us, telling us about this. She's like almost crying. My wife's crying. I'm like, man, like four-year-old kids just on their own. No one asked them to do it. No one told them they had to do it. They just, that's compassion, right? And I'm just thinking, man, I want my kids to live in a world where that's how people always treat them. And I'm thinking, man, I want to be the type of person who always treats people like that, who has that kind of compassion. I just think, man, what if we in the church, again, it doesn't take a ton, a moment here, an encouraging word there, a small act of kindness. It's more than enough to get you started, to get this ball rolling. And if we all do it, man, if we all show compassion, then watch how God can use you for someone else's good and for his glory, even at your work. And I promise you it's going to make a difference. So make a difference. Be compassionate. E, excellent. Excellent. 
This is probably the most obvious way that you can represent Jesus at work is to, to do it well, right? To be excellent. In Colossians chapter 3, uh, Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul explains clearly what God expects of us at work. We talked about 317, right? And whatever you do, do it for the Lord Jesus, okay? And whatever you do, then he continues a few verses later, verse 23. Whatever you do, again, whatever, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. I like the way the message translation says it. It's even more clear. Do your best. Do your best. Work from the heart for your real master, for God, confident that you'll get paid in full when you come into your inheritance. Keep in mind always that the ultimate master you are serving is Christ. Let's be real, right? Some of us, for some of us, giving our best comes, comes easy. Maybe it's because we like our jobs, right? Or maybe it's because uh, we, we happen to be good at that, whatever it is that we do, okay, uh, for, for a living. And, 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 and so somehow that makes it more enjoyable, okay? But for others, work can be dreadful. Maybe, maybe you're like, I don't like what I do. I, I, the pay is lousy, and I don't feel like I'm particularly good at it. And so that makes it really hard for me to, 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 to do my best. It almost seems impossible sometimes, okay? I get that, but here's what I would say. Regardless of your situation, regardless of your work circumstance, God's word remains the same. We are, we are called to do our best as if we are working for Jesus Christ himself. I, I read a quote that I really liked uh, from George Washington Carver. He said, do common things in an uncommon way, and you will command the attention of the world. Do common things, everyday, average, ordinary things, in an uncommon way, and you will command the attention of the world. I'll go back to that Panera story, man. It was nothing crazy revolutionary that happened. I just received some good service from some friendly people who were working hard that day, right? But it was a combination of how hard they were working how well and, and, and how good their attitudes were that stood out to me. And I couldn't help but notice it. I couldn't help but notice it, right? It stood out. And then I couldn't help but wonder, again, what if we in the church did that? What if, what if all of us did that? What if we just made the commitment to do common things in an uncommon way and allowed the light of Jesus, his power, his kindness, his integrity, his excellence to shine through us, his compassion to shine through us in every situation. Man, what kind of impact would that make? Not only will it command the attention of the world, and then we can point them to him, but it will command the attention of God himself, and he will move on their behalf, on our behalf. Excellent. E. Last letter. Um, kind of a late addition for me. I was going to go nice, and I was like, no, nicer. <laughs> remember. Remember. Now, um, there's a lot of things we can remember, a lot of ways I can go with here, but I'm going to start with prayer. Remember to pray. Remember to pray. If you were here last Sunday, man, we had a, just a prayer and worship service, and uh, I, I was so encouraged by, by God and how he moved and what he did because I had so many conversations with people afterwards about just how God met them right the, where, where they were. 
man, I needed that. Man, God, man, he brought me to tears. Like, just was nothing I could do. I didn't know what's going on in their lives. But, but when, when we were intentional about creating a space where we can experience God and, and, and go to him in prayer authentically, he worked in people's hearts. He spoke to people. He was moving, right? And, and so I just think we need to be intentional. We need to remember. Sometimes we get so busy and we're on our way to work and there's so much work to be done, we forget to pray. Remember to pray it might be the important thing, the most important thing you can do before you go to work every day, before you do anything, really. But remember to pray. There's power in prayer. Remember to pray. Remember who God is. Remember who God is. Remember that He is your creator, right? That He made you in His image, that He's our Redeemer, that He redeemed us, that He took us from death to life. Remember who God is. Remember that he's king. He has authority over everything. There's nothing that has God shook. There's nothing that's out of his grasp. There's nothing that, that he is not in, in, in authority of. He has all power. Remember that he's father, that he's a good father, the only perfect father who loves you perfectly. He calls you son. He calls you daughter. Remember that he's provider. Remember that he's a healer. We can go on and on and on. There's so many names of God. Take a moment and remember who God is. And then remember who he says you are. Remember who he, not who the world says you are, not, not who your boss says you are, not even who your family says you are, not the last name you carry. Remember who God says you are, a son, a daughter of the one true king, the God most high. You're a child of God. You are saved by grace. You can't earn it. There's nothing you can do to earn it, and you don't have to. It's a gift of God. Saved by grace. Forgiven. Forgiven. Nothing counted against you. Fully. Righteous. Made new. Remember who God says you are. Remember him. Remember who he says you are. And then, remember what he's called you to do. Remember that he has called you. He's called you to trust him. He's called you into a relationship with him. He's called you to worship him and to serve him. He's called you to make a difference at your work and in this life and in this world in the name of Jesus. Now, if you remember that first and you go out there and try to do it, you might be in trouble, okay? Because now you're out here in your own strength. And I didn't pray and I haven't connected with God in a little while and I'm just me. <laughs> and here I am trying to do things and that's how you get burnt out, if not way worse, Okay? So the order matters. I like to think of it as looking up. Look up. Remember who God is. Right? Then I'm going to look in. Remember who he says I am. Who he's called me to be. Now I can look out. The world he's put me in. The job he's put me in. The family he's placed me in. Now I can look out at the people he's called me to love, to show compassion to, to serve. And filled up with him and with the proper understanding of who he says I am, now I can make a difference. Look up, look in, then look out. Now, let's be real. Of course, being a Christian at work, being a Jesus follower at your job and in this life is not just as simple as memorizing a five-letter word, okay? I get that. I realize that. But it can be a beginning. It can, that can be a start to something greater. And I know God can and will use that if we, if we step into it, okay? So here's how. Again, I said it was going to be super practical. Get a sticky note, Get a note card, tear off a piece of paper, and write those words. Be nicer. Be nicer. Put it somewhere where you can see it every day. On your, on your 
mirror in your bathroom, on your dashboard, on your computer, wherever you're going to come across it and see it every day, okay? Write the insights for, for each letter, right? Not ashamed, integrity, compassion, excellent. Remember, okay? Post it somewhere where you're going to see it every day. And for the next few moments, uh, excuse me, for the next few weeks, I would, I, this is my challenge to you. I'm encouraging you to do this, okay? Take a minute at the start of each day and throughout the day and reflect on the letter for that day. Do one a day. I ain't gonna try, I'm not trying to overload you with homework, Monday, end. I'm not ashamed. All day I'm going to be not ashamed of the gospel because it's power. It's power, and I have that power. Tuesday, it's integrity. Integrity. I'm going I'm to, I work for an audience of one. I work for God. Integrity. Wednesday, man, compassion. I'm looking for an opportunity to be compassionate, just like Jesus was. I'm going to bless somebody with an encouraging word, with a, with a, with a prayer, with a, just going out of my way to, to listen to their problems, or whatever the case may be. Show compassion, okay? Again, excellence on Thursday, Friday. I'm going to remember. I'm going to remember. I remember to be prayed up. I'm going to remember my great God. I remember who he says I am and who he's called me to be, what he's called me to, to do. And as you continue to reflect on, on that word, nicer, each day, my prayer is you'll not only have those, that word memorized, or those, each of those qualities memorized, but that these behaviors will be become a part of your daily life. At work, and, and when you go home, and when you're at the grocery store, and when you're in the carpool lane, which is where I lose my my mind. My, 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 it's it's, it's unholy. Like, pray me up just for carpool on a weekly basis. It's crazy. It's crazy but I'm trying to be nicer, trying to be nicer, okay? And I promise you, if we step into this church, I think people will notice. I think, I think people will notice, and I think God will be glorified, and it will make a difference, amen? amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your word, which truly is a, a light up to our feet, a lamp up to our path, God. Just pray you would help us this week, God, as we just try to be who you're calling us to be. Help us to start with you, always with you, God, remembering who you are, praying, worshiping you, God. Help us to remind us, Lord, who, who you say we are. Again, not who the world says we are, not who culture says we are, not who uh, our jobs say we are, not even who our families say we are, God, but who you say we are in your word, God, that we are your sons and your daughters, that we are dearly loved, that we're your beloved. God, help that truth to land heavy on us this week so that as we go out to love other people, God, to love our neighbors, Lord, that, that they would see you in and through us, God. That in our, in our integrity, in our compassion, God, in, in the excellence of what we do, God, that it wouldn't point them to us, but that it would point them to you, God, and that you would do what only you can do in their hearts and their minds. God, we love you, we praise you, we need you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all have a great week. We'll see you back here next Sunday.